Hey y'all, welcome to Murder in the Black. I am your host, Steph, and today I'm without my co-host, MD. You will have that dynamic sister duo coming back to you in full effect on next episode, but I wanted to launch our podcast because guess what? If you're from TikTok, you already know how long we've been talking about launching this podcast, and I just wanted to do it for the people, for my people, specifically for the people on TikTok. But if you found us via Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the party over here at Murder in the Black, where we discuss all things true crime as it relates to the Black community. We want to bring a voice to the cases that are not often covered in the media, and we want to bring attention and awareness to it, start the conversation, um, and just be a be a voice for those who don't have one. Um, so welcome. I'm so excited. If y'all don't understand, like I'm so excited at 549 in the morning. So, you know, this excitement is real over here. Okay. So our case today is about Alexis Crawford. Now, if you have joined us from TikTok, you know, we kind of covered this story already, but I wanted to do a podcast about it for two reasons. One, to continue to bring awareness to this case because actually this case is ongoing. As of today, November 30th, this case has not gone to trial yet. So until this goes to trial, I want to keep this this case out in the forefront as much as possible. Obviously, we will do an update. But I also wanted to talk about this case again to just provide more dialogue that I was unable to have on TikTok, okay? Like, because that three-minute marker, y'all, it's, I'm telling you, it's it's a doozy, okay? It's hard. It's hard. But we're here, so let's talk about it. So, welcome to the case of Alexis Crawford. Now, if I had to, like, sing a song, y'all, like to say, what is this case about? I would be like, what about your friends? Will they stay around? Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna just stop it right there. I ain't gonna give y'all all that, okay? I'm not gonna give y'all all that voice I got. We gonna stop it right there. But this case is about friends and friendships. And I think regardless of where you are in life and what stage you are, whether you're an adult an older adult, a young adult, teenager, etc. You could benefit from hearing about this story or you maybe can even relate in some ways about, you know, friends. I like to say this because I heard this and I think this just goes along with life. I often say it is that sometimes red flags look like six flags when you're having fun. I think that's applicable to just like, you know, romantic relationships, platonic relationships. It can, it just... It all applies, right? So y'all can take that, by the way. Go ahead, take that and use it because I heard somebody say it and you can take that from me. Feel free. You know, you can credit Steph for murdering the black for that, okay? But let's get into our story. This is about the beautiful Alexis Crawford. Y'all, she was so pretty. She was 21 years old in 2019 and she was going to Clark Atlanta University. She was a senior and she was majoring in criminal justice. 
Now, Alexis came from a rather large family, especially for the time. She was one of 10. And y'all, she came from a big family. And I'm just like low-key jelly because like I've always wanted to come from a big family low-key. My parents were baby boomers. They were, my mom is one of six. My dad is one of seven. And, you know, I like to think when you have a big family, that means big love. You know what I'm saying? A lot of love. I know sometimes it can mean a lot of drama, but you know what? That wasn't true for Alexis. She had a super close relationship with her parents and her siblings. So close, in fact, that she would talk to them all the time. Like, you know, if she didn't talk to them, something was wrong. You know, they were that close and she loved to go home and visit. They were just very close knitted. And being a senior, um, Alexis wanted to be out on her own. You know, she wanted to get an apartment off campus and she decided to do that her senior year. And she wanted to have a roommate. She didn't want to live by herself. So the roommate's name was Jordan Jones. Now, Jordan was not just like a roommate. She was actually Alexis's best friend. I mean, y'all, they did everything together. Um, You know, of course, they did the whole brunching and taking Instagram pictures with cute quotes. They did everything, y'all. But really, they were super, super close because Alexis would often take Jordan back home with her for holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter. Just, you know, she really wanted Jordan to be one of those friends that were was an extension of her. I mean, Alexis's family felt like Jordan was one of their own and they were super close. So when she decided to get an apartment, it was a no-brainer. She definitely was going to get this apartment with Jordan. So everything was going fine. You know, it was going really good between Jordan and Alexis. That was until November 1st of 2019. Alexis went missing. No one could find her. Um, One of the red flags um, that kind of prompted her parents into filing a missing persons report is that on that day, Alexis did not go to class. She didn't go to school. Well, she didn't go to class in school. It's the same thing. She didn't go to work and she did not text her family. She was not in contact with anyone in her family at all. And the last time that someone heard from her and her family was on October 30th. It was her sister asking her what she was doing for the weekend. Alexis responded and said, oh, I'm just, you know, chilling. I'm not doing anything. And that was the last time that anyone in the family talked to her. So her parents sprung into action like a parent should and went down to the police department and filed a missing persons report with Atlanta PD. And we all know being true crime addicts that... You know, oftentimes when you're grown and you go missing, the police don't spring into action. They don't do anything, absolutely nothing to for about, you know, 48 hours until you've been missing for a while. Because naturally they think if you're grown, you know, you may have, you know, went out on your own and are going to come back. But Atlanta PD didn't do this. They immediately started their investigation and they began their investigation with none other than Jordan because this is her best friend this is her roommate she lives with her she has to know maybe where they can start looking for Alexis so the police ask Jordan they say hey when was the last time you saw her and Jordan says well I last saw her on October 30th she um asked me to take her to the liquor store I took her the police were actually able to pull footage from the liquor store and they saw that Alexis seemed very calm she didn't seem perturbed or rushed um she was super calm checking out and they 
saw that everything was okay. Then Jordan said, well, we went back to the apartment. I laid down and I went to sleep. I woke up early the next morning and I went off to class. I did not see Alexis, so I assumed that she went off to class as well and that was it. So they probed a little bit more because they're like, well, you're her best friend. Did she mention anything about where she was going to go or what she was going to do? And uh. Jordan said, hey, listen, no, she didn't. Because to be honest, although we are best friends, um, we were actually not getting along at the time. We weren't really on speaking terms. So although I took her to the liquor store, we weren't really talking. So this kind of brought the investigation to a brief standstill because they didn't really know where to even begin to look. So the police and Alexis's family did a press conference where they released everything that they knew about Alexis, what she had on. They released some of the footage of her in the liquor store. Um, And then they actually put together a missing persons report. They also mentioned that Alexis did not have, um, or Alexis had her wallet and her phone. So those things were missing from the apartment. So they assumed that it was with her. Now, Um, They put together this missing persons report and it included everything about Alexis that would be vital in helping to find her. You know, what she was last wearing, her weight, her height, all of those things and a recent picture. Now, the great thing about this case, uh, if you could pull anything away from it that was really good that happened, is this missing persons report because when the police posted it online... Actually, people from Clark Atlanta University and surrounding universities started to post her, repost this on social media. And because it was 2019, you know, once something is reposted and reposted, it eventually goes viral if it picks up enough steam. And it did. Um, Alexis's missing persons report went viral. And obviously, this was pivotal in helping to find out where she could possibly be. One of the people who was reposting this uh, flyer was Jordan. Jordan was reposting this all over her social media, Instagram especially. And um, a lot of people just started to naturally get suspicious about Jordan. They felt like Jordan had to know something about Alexis. She just had to. I mean, this is your best friend. How could you not know? And so, according to Jordan, they begin to harass her and slide in her DMs and, you know, just send very foul messages to her about her knowing more than she let on. Now, Jordan actually released a statement via Instagram and said, hey, listen, I don't appreciate people sliding into my DMs, harassing me, um, saying that I know more about my friend's disappearance. If I knew more, I would say more. I don't know. It's, you know, I would love for my friend to come back and as much energy as y'all are putting into harassing me, I wish y'all, you know, kick out that same energy into finding my friend. So at this point, the police continue to investigate. And what they find out is that on October 26th of 2019, um, the police were actually called to Jordan and Alexis' apartment. Now, Jordan was the one who actually called the 911 dispatch. And she told them that her boyfriend, Baron, stole her car as well as he sexually assaulted Alexis. Now, the police immediately came over to the house and they asked Jordan what happened. Now, on that weekend of October 26th, 
Um, it was actually Clark Atlanta's homecoming. So Jordan, Alexis, and Baron went out, you know, to enjoy the homecoming festivities. They had been drinking. They came back home and still were drinking and, you know, talking and just having a good time. Well, Jordan decides to go to sleep. So at some point during the night, while they're having a good time and engaging, she decides to go to sleep. Well, that leaves, you know, Baron, her boyfriend, and Alexis out on the couch. Now, Jordan says she wakes up early morning on October 27th at like three in the morning to go use the restroom. The restroom is locked. So she proceeds to beat on the door. She can hear someone's in there. So she continues to knock. And finally, her boyfriend, Baron, comes out of the bathroom, just, you know, totally disheveled, you know, half clad. And he's like, I just want you to know that I did not rape Alexis. And he zooms past her and dashes out of the house with her keys and steals her car. She sees Alexis on the floor with some of her clothes missing. Her panties are, you know, torn off with some scissors that are laying beside her. And she's just on the floor blacked out. So Jordan calls the police. Now, when the police get there, they ask Alexis, you know, what does she remember about the night? Alexis says, you know, I remember Jordan going to sleep. And shortly after Jordan went to sleep, Baron made a pass at me, you know, trying to get with me. And I was just so offended that I just got up. I was uncomfortable. It was awkward. I got up and just said I was going to bed and kind of just removed myself. He followed her to the bathroom where she was going to stop by before she went to her room. And he, you know, you know, profusely apologizes and says, hey, listen, I thought you were Jordan. I'm just drunk. I'm tripping. And she's like, okay. But then he proceeds to try to kiss her on her neck. And that's the last thing she remembers because at that point she passes out in the bathroom and she only remembers Jordan coming and waking her up at that point. So the police encourage Alexis to go to the hospital on October 27th and get a rape kit so that they can then, you know, have evidence if he did rape her um they could have that evidence so they could charge him with rape now initially jordan is so supportive of alexis she actually goes with alexis to get the rape kit done and she kind of stays by her side in the following days and everything seems to be although it's traumatizing obviously she's been sexually assaulted um she you know, she has the support of her best friend, Jordan, to help her. Now, I kind of want to not stop the story, but kind of want to talk about the things that happened in the aftermath of the sexual assault. Now, Alexis did not tell her family. They had no idea about the sexual assault when it happened. Um, and I think, you know, in hindsight, that probably wasn't the best thing. Uh, I think that if her parents would have known, they probably would have, you know, got her immediately out of that apartment and out of that situation because that just was very toxic um, for her to have to go back into the same home where she had this traumatizing event happen was just probably too much for Alexis to bear. So much and so that Alexis did tell her friends about the sexual assault and said that she just felt so uh, uncomfortable being in the house after that happened. 
And although those friends knew about the sexual assault, they didn't tell an adult or someone who could help Alexis in that situation. So, like I said, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But, you know, when you have someone who has experienced something like sexual assault, you know, and you're a friend and you know it, sometimes it's important to, you know, help that person get the help they need sometimes. Um, because Alexis needed some help in that particular situation because she was still processing it. She was still going home to a place where she was sexually assaulted. It was a lot of layers inside of this particular case. And Alexis Alexis really needed some help, some therapy, somebody to kind of take her out of that toxic situation where she was going and kind of reliving every time she went back home the event that happened so on November 8th now mind you this all started November 1st okay so just in seven days the police actually discovered tragically discovered Alexis's body in a plastic bin at a park called the Exchange Park in Decatur, Georgia. And um, the cause of her death was asphyxiation and strangulation. Now, I want to say, parenthetically, before we move on, that the way that they were able to find Alexis's body was actually because of Jordan. They brought Jordan in to cross-examine her, to question her, and in the midst of questioning her, they asked if she knew what happened to Alexis. She revealed at the time that she knew where Alexis was, but she was not going to reveal that until she spoke with her father. Now, her father came in, and at that point, they took the police to Exchange Park and showed them Alexis's body and where she was. Now, at that point, Jordan does not say what happened or what took place, what caused Alexis's death. She lawyers up, okay? And so we don't know from Jordan what took place that led to Alexis's death. What we do know is Barron's account. And I want to say, you know, child, we don't really know what happened besides we absolutely know that Alexis died because Baron's account y'all from the jump just is like excuse me sir what okay whatever this is all we got so let's let's keep pushing so let me tell y'all what Baron said happened Baron said that in fact Jordan did take Alexis to the liquor store on October 30th Um, Once they got back home, they got into an argument. Alexis and Jordan got into an argument, which led to a physical altercation. Now, unbeknownst to Alexis, Jordan actually reconciled with with her boyfriend. And she snuck him into their apartment and he had been living in her room for a couple of days. Now, let's revisit this whole sequence of events. October 27th, early morning, Alexis was assaulted. She goes to the hospital in support of Jordan or with the support of Jordan. And then between the 28th, the 29th, and the 30th, Jordan gets back cool with the boyfriend who just sexually assaulted her best friend and sneaks him into the house to leave him in the room so that he can chill out. 
Like, y'all, what? Like, this, that by itself is just, like, mind-boggling to me. Because how could you get back with your friend's rapist who was your boyfriend? Like, and who you knew raped your friend. Like, you absolutely knew it. There was no question about it. So, y'all, let's run it back real quick. So, on October 30th, Alexis and Jordan get into an argument, which turns into a physical altercation. Now, Baron's in the back room of Jordan's room waiting. He hears the physical altercation. He comes out of the room, and he says that he is trying to stop the fight. So, what does he do to stop the fight? He doesn't grab Jordan. He grabs Alexis, and he puts her into a chokehold. He said that he had no intentions of killing her. He was just trying to, you know, stop her from attacking Jordan. He said at that point, Alexis was still alive, but Jordan goes and gets a plastic black bag and puts it over Alexis's head, obviously suffocating Alexis to death. At that point, they put Alexis's body into a plastic bin and they, um, you know, clean up from the altercation because that altercation they say produced blood so they cleaned up the blood cleaned up everything and then they go out on October 31st because you know it's Halloween and they want to have a party and they leave Alexis dead body in the apartment eventually going to dispose of the body into the in in the park where they found her body so this is Baron's account on what happened And I would like to say, y'all, that, you know, Jordan really ain't ish. Like, for real, for real. Like, she literally got into an argument and an altercation with her best friend to save her boyfriend's hide. Because he was about to get charged with rape. Because the rape kid did come back. And it proved that Alexis had been raped by Baron. And Baron had a criminal history already prior to this this rape charge that he was about to get. Um and as and because of that, when they were charged with me- murder, they were charged with murder, felony and murder aggravated assault. And when they got charged with that, they both were seeking to get bond um and be released from prison or jail, I should say. And they automatically denied Baron. They said, no, you have a criminal past. No, you can't get out. But this was Jordan's first defense, her first time ever getting in trouble. And so her lawyer put on a case saying that she should be granted bond. However, the prosecutor said, no, please do not let her go. She is a flight risk. Because when they went to go arrest Jordan for... Uh, her charges of killing Alexis, Jordan had withdrew from Clark Atlanta University and she was packing a bag to get the heck out of Dodge, okay? So she was planning on starting a new life somewhere right when they came and arrested her. So because of that, um, the judge said, you know what, she is a flight risk. We're not letting her out on bond either. And like I said, all of this happened in 2019. So, you know, wait a couple of months. The next year is 2020, y'all. And it's COVID. And so because of that, because of COVID, cases got pushed back. And so this has not gone to trial as of yet. But thankfully, they are still in jail. 
and not released. And as this case goes to trial, I promise, promise, promise to come back on here and update you guys about this particular case. Because I believe that justice needs to be served. They need to go to jail, to prison, not pass, go. Um, Because this is just such a sad and tragic story. Um, This did not have to end like this. Um, It already had so many parts about the story that were just completely tragic. I mean, she was sexually assaulted. It was her best friend's boyfriend. Her best friend got back with this guy. Like, it was just so many layers of betrayal in this story, y'all. Like, it's unbelievable. And that's why I said this should be titled, What About Your Friends? Like, because seriously... There were several probably different red flags inside of this relationship that Alexis probably ignored trying to keep her friendship with Jordan. I want to say that one of her um, friends, who was Alexis's good friend, released a statement on Facebook saying that she, when she found out that Jordan killed Alexis, she just was angry because she had begged Alexis to dissolve the friendship between her and Jordan for years. She said there were several different red flags that happened in their relationship prior to the rape, prior to Alexis's death that that prompted her to say, "Hey, like Jordan's really not your friend. Like you really need to stop hanging out with her." And so there were some obvious things, at least to this friend, that prompted her to say, "Alexis, you need to get rid of Jordan she's really not your friend and it is by no means like Alexis's fault like she was guilt if she was guilty of anything it was trying to be a friend to somebody who did not want to be a friend to her um but definitely is a cautionary tale that you know sometimes friendships aren't what we think they are and there are some people in our life regardless of how long they've been there that we should just let go of like history and years do not determine friendships and and how genuine and how um good the friendship could be years don't determine that honestly it really is determined by who really cares about you and who really shows up for you in times of trouble so i hope you guys have enjoyed this particular case i hope it gives you pause and causes you to you know maybe re-examine some friendships in your own life um because sometimes they can lead to murder and it's so unfortunate but people are evil so i hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast i hope that you continue to tune in weekly join me steph and our co-host md for another episode of Murder in the Black.